0: The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 407. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McLanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page. You can find all the social media accounts on my webpage, BrianMcLanahan.com. This B R I O N McClanahan.com. Why are you there? Give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours. Truly. You can support the show by going to Academy.com where it's always free to enroll. You get a free class when you do enroll, 10 Myths of American History, and you get the best deals on new and forthcoming courses. Got a new course out, Originalist Papers, and that actually has to do with the topic of this podcast. So you're going to want to get that course. If you're ever at McClanahan Academy, you're still getting a good deal on it. So hop on over there, enroll free of charge, get the free class, get the great deal. Also get my American Constitutions class for a great deal right now. Great win-win for you. You support the show. You keep it free of charge. You get good stuff. You can also go to brianmcclanahan.com, click on that support tab. You can throw a few pennies my way. You can get a book plate if you want my autograph of one of my books. I've got a lot of those. Newest is Southern Scribblings, 60 Essays in Defense of the Southern Tradition. It's a fantastic book. And again, if you want me to sign it for you, just get a book plate. I'll sign it and send it to you in the mail. You can also support the show by going to Learn T-R-U-E, T-R-U-E LearnTrueHistory.com. That's my affiliate link for Tom Woods Liberty Classroom. It's a great website. I teach there with Tom and a whole bunch of other great faculty members. You can also click on that shop tab at com. Get your Brian McClanahan Show logo and all kinds of cool stuff. And as always, share this podcast around on social media. Rate it wherever you get your podcasts. It's a great way to help People Think Locally and Act Locally, and this is the reason I'm doing this episode. I've been doing two podcasts a week, but I'm going to three for this week because I've been asked about this several times in emails, and this is a segue. Send me your emails, a show request, because I do read those, and I do try to respond to that. So it's a listener-generated episode, but I've gotten several emails about this particular issue. It's hot right now, and I wanted to jump on it before it got stale, and that is the recent Supreme Court refusal to hear a case out of Pennsylvania, dealing with election fraud, essentially. So I want to talk about that, and I want to look at Clarence Thomas's dissent because that's what everyone's focusing on. What did Clarence Thomas have to say about this? We know that the court ruled six to three to just not even dismiss the case, not even hear it. So they didn't give it a hearing on this. There was no decision except we're going to dismiss it. Six six judges, including three who are considered conservatives: John Roberts, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. So. Um, Barrett was touted as an originalist. So you had Samuel Alito and Neil Gorsuch and, of course, Clarence Thomas deciding to hear the case. I mean, they would have. But now you had Barrett and Kavanaugh siding with, and of course Roberts too, but siding with the uh, three leftist judges on the bench. So I want to, look, I want to get into this. Because it's interesting, and Barrett, the reason I want to focus on Barrett for a second is because, again, she was touted as an originalist. So what would an originalist have? What, how would this work with that? I mean, you've got a case, and if you, I'm just going to review what's happening here. And I, I did a podcast, episode 387, which is one of my podcasts that has the most number of dislikes. Because people didn't like what I had to say. The title of that podcast is Texas Files a Bad Lawsuit. And I, the point I made in that, if you go back and you listen to it, I said Texas really has no standing in this particular issue. They have no standing. But Pennsylvania does. Because they were suing about what Pennsylvania was doing was incorrect. So here we have a case where Pennsylvania now go is, is attempting, at least the Republican Party of Pennsylvania, is attempting to sue in federal court, to try to deal with this issue of mail-in balloting in the state. Now, this had to do, of course, with the 2020 election, which is why I think the three conservatives, Roberts, Kavanaugh, and Barrett, decided not to hear the case. Thomas's point was, well, when are we going to hear a case like this? When can we hear a case? We don't have time to litigate and make a decision if we're going to do this near an election. And he said Pennsylvania, in one, has been notorious for making decisions, state Supreme Court decisions are handed down too close to an election to do anything. So he said this is really the time to do it. It doesn't matter if it affects the 2020 election or not. Everyone knows that's not going to be the case. Donald Trump is not going to win the state of Pennsylvania, even if they heard this case. They know it. So why don't we deal with the problem, which is the mail in balloting situation, and what the Supreme Court has done in Pennsylvania. Why don't we at least listen to the constitutional arguments? Is there a constitutional argument to be made for this? Is there an originalist argument to be made that what happened in Pennsylvania violated the Constitution? Can we make that case? So he is saying, essentially, we should hear the case. Now, he points out in his dissent that you've got all kinds of issues with this. You've got the state legislature. He points out the state legislature expanded mail-in balloting They expanded it further, but the problem was the state Supreme Court, because of a lawsuit filed by the Democrats in the state legislature, said that we need to expand this further or at least allow ballots to be accepted after the date, and the legislature did not agree to that in the legislation. So essentially what happened is the state Supreme Court of Pennsylvania said, we're going to legislate from the bench. We're going to allow these ballots to be accepted later. With no postmark, and he said this was the problem. A lot of these ballots didn't even have a postmark. But he said even when they set those aside, because the federal court said, well, you got to set them aside, it still would not have swung the election. Which is, I think, why that Kavanaugh and Barrett and Roberts said we don't need to hear this case. It's not going to. They were looking at it simply in a very narrow view as an election fraud case, and it wasn't going to change a thing because those ballots had been counted. But he, Thomas says, well, there are some. there is one election where this could be an issue. You had 93 votes separating these two people, and so if that's the case, shouldn't we hear the case? Now, look, I can, I can sympathize with that. We've got a federal election that's been affected by a state Supreme Court. Now, on the other hand, there are some issues with this that I want to get into. First and foremost, you never go to the mafia for a loan. The general government, in this particular case, the Supreme Court, is like going to organized crime to give you a loan and hoping that that's going to solve your problem. Or you go to organized crime and say, look, I did a bad thing. Can you clean it up? Or you go to organized crime and you say, hey, can you take care of this problem for me? What's happening here? Now, you would say, but what about, I mean, there has to be some situation. The state legislature has to do something here. Well, the state legislature can do something in Pennsylvania. They can impeach those Supreme Court, state Supreme Court judges. They can get rid of them. And they should. Now, maybe they don't have the votes to do it, but this is something. There should be a campaign in Pennsylvania to take care of this problem in Pennsylvania rather than going to your uncle... And kneecapping somebody. Because when you open the door to this... Now, I know there's been other cases. Tom, Thomas made this clear. We've got this case. We've got this case. We've got this case. That would show that we should hear the case here. We, sh- we should actually decide on this. We should make a ruling about this particular situation based on precedent, the common law, that we've established over the years, going back 100 years, with issues like this. But, of course... Again, when you open the door to federal overreach, when you open the door of the federal court system or the federal government getting involved here, you're inviting a real issue in the future because you've now gone to the big boy on the block and said, take care of this. Well, I can understand the reasoning behind it because the Supreme Court has acted, the state Supreme Court has ruled and overruled the legislature, and so we've got an issue. Now, due process was followed. Was it a violation of due process? No. The court made a decision that one side did not like, and so they're going to try to sue in a higher court to try to take care of the situation. So what is the legal merit? What is the, the constitutional merit to this? Is Can you make a case that in this particular situation, in the state of Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, state state of Pennsylvania Supreme Court, violated the U.S. Constitution by making their decision that mail-in ballots could be counted after the legislature said they could be counted and without postmarks. Because they've made made a legislation from the bench. They've ruled in a way that went against the duly elected legislature of Pennsylvania. Can you make a case that this was illegal, according to the U.S. Constitution? Well, there are two spots in the Constitution that talk about elections. One is Article 4, Section... I'm sorry, Article 1, excuse me. Article 1, Section 4. So I'm going to read Article 1, Section 4, and it's important because it says, "...the times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. But the Congress may at time by, any time by law make or alter such regulations, except as to the places of choosing senators." This is important. So what Thomas was pointing out in his dissent of not hearing the case is, well, we all know about the president, but what about this legis- what about this this uh, this, uh, this election for a member of the House of Representatives? So in that particular case, is this not a violation of the US Constitution? The times, places, and manner of holding elections, manner of holding elections, and the time of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. So, did the legislature prescribe these things? Well, certainly they did. Did the court go in and change that? Well, certainly the, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, did it go in and change that? Well, certainly they did. So, is this a violation? Did the Pennsylvania Supreme Court violate the U.S. Constitution by saying that the uh, Secretary of State of Pennsylvania had to accept these ballots after the election was over and without any postmark on it. So you didn't know when these things were made, when they were filled out. They could have been filled out after the election was over. Nobody knows because there's no date on them. I mean, this is, this is election fraud 101 stuff, right? And Thomas points this out, look, there's... N- and I said this, there's no Western power that, that doesn't know that, that mail-in balloting opens the door to the possibility of election fraud. Now, you can say, did it happen? You can suggest it did, it didn't, whatever. When, I'm not arguing that. I'm saying this opens the door to election fraud, as Thomas points out, and so you have an issue with this. So, according to this, according to reading it this way, this is a textual, I'm going to say this, this is a textual, understanding of the Constitution, because this issue was actually talked about in the ratification process during the debates leading up to the states ratifying the Constitution. In fact, it was discussed quite a lot. It was discussed in several states and in several public documents about the Constitution. The great fear, this is important, The great fear from the opponents of the Constitution was that this power would allow for the general government to have oversight of the states when it came to federal elections. In other words, they would have a negative on the states when it came to federal elections. So, maybe you can see where I'm going with this. The originalist position would be that it would be dangerous to bring in the federal government, or at least the argument was made by the opponents, and I'm going to say what their proponents said in a second, the argument was it would be dangerous because the federal government would have a negative over state laws when it came to elections. The proponents, those who favored the Constitution, said this would never happen unless there was an issue so egregious where the state's legislature did not send a member to the house or the senate when they when there was a dereliction of duty and the example was almost always Rhode Island because Rhode Island refused to send delegates to the to the uh, Continental Congress they just refused they weren't going to do it so in this case the Congress then could go in and say, we're going to legislate for you, Rhode Island, so you have federal elections. The point was that they would have federal elections. So it was not to give them oversight over the laws that led into this, but that they would even have them to begin with. And I'm going to give you an example of that. And it's by a man named Tench Cox. If you're taking my Originalist Papers class, you'll know I have a couple of essays by Tenchcox in the Part 1. You'll see more of Tenchcox in Part 2. Tench Cox is an important part of the founding generation, just not a household name. But he said this, Observations have been made on the power given to the federal government in regard to the elections of representatives and senators. The regulations of these elections are, by the first part of the clause to be prescribed, By the state legislature, who are certainly the proper bodies if they will always execute the duty. But in the case the union or the public safety should be endangered by an omission of this duty, as in the case of Rhode Island, then the legislature of the United States can name for the people a convenient time and do other matters necessary to ensure the free exercise of their right of election. So the, the point was that if the state was derelict in ensuring that there would be a free election then the Congress could step in and do it for them. Didn't say anything about the federal court system. Nothing. Now, Cox was very adamant that the state legislatures would do the right thing here, and they would ensure fair elections. So that was an important part of originalism. And this is just one example. You can go to the ratifying convention in Massachusetts where they talked about this quite a lot. And again, the general argument was that the federal government would not have a negative over the states when it came to how they handled their elections. Now you could say, again, the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court was legislating from the bench. This happens in the U.S. Supreme Court all the time. Okay, So you can't make an argument, well, this court can't legislate from the bench, but this court can. I agree that neither one should, but on, at the end of the day, if the if the Supreme Court of the United States is going to do it, and they're going to do it even with conservatives, then why would they stop a state court from doing the exact same thing? And again, what's happening here is these three conservatives said, well, this isn't going to affect the election, we shouldn't hear it. So what really needs to happen, what I would say with this, is that the state of Pennsylvania, the Republican Party then, needs to bring the suit back up that doesn't have anything to do with the 2020 election and simply bring it up that the state Supreme Court of Pennsylvania has violated the Constitution by doing this, the U.S. Constitution. And that's where it stands. It's not because of the Trump election, it's because they just did this. And that would be the issue. Now, you could say, well, they've already done that. Now the Supreme Court is saying they won't no one hear it. This is why I'd say it comes down to think locally, act locally. you got to get these people out of the legislature who are willing to do these things. And more importantly, if Pennsylvania, I haven't looked at if Pennsylvania has a, the ability to impeach state judges on the state Supreme Court, that should be an avenue that should also be pursued because these people clearly are doing some things that are highly suspicious and overtly partisan because that's what this comes down to. I think if you looked at the division of the court, you might see that this was a highly partisan move on the part of Democrats sitting on the state Supreme Court. Now, again, I didn't look at it, so I can't say that 100% certain. I have not looked at Pennsylvania to see if the ideological breakdown on the court. But if that's the case, I mean, if this is a situation where this is an ideological move that's based on party and power, well then you've got you've got work to do, Pennsylvania. You've got to get rid of these people, get them out of office, and start working that way. Because clearly the originalist position is going to be rather murky on this issue because you can make a case that this only the, the real fear was federal oversight of state elections, not states doing whatever they're going to do with due process and everything else and working through the system. Was it illegal? Did it violate the state constitution of Pennsylvania? Did it violate the U.S. constitution? You can make a case that it violated the U.S. constitution. When you look at the electors clause in Article 2, well, the state still chose electors. It's just that how the vote was counted for these things is suspect. The state still followed all the proper procedures for choosing the electors. They just, the Republican Party is contesting the outcome of that process. And again, Thomas says there's no one that would challenge that Joe Biden won the state of Pennsylvania. At least not that's going to publicly do it in a way that would, uh, would get them in trouble. Thomas, I think, is right on, though, when he says that this is a major issue for the future and we should be looking at this. Every state, in fact, should be looking at this. They should be looking at ways to solve this problem. Now, the states that are controlled by Democrats are not going to do it. They won't do it because that would undermine their ability to go out and have some gray areas, you know, work around the fringes a little bit, try to get some people in there. I and mean, we this is what I said in episode 387. The Democrats out hustled the Republicans, and they're probably gonna do it again. They're probably gonna do it again. They're probably gonna out hustle the Republicans again in 2020. Now, if we have a situation where we have an election day, <clears throat> I would say one of the major problems with this too is that we have we have an election day established by federal law, and there shouldn't be any any month-long balloting before that point or ballots after that point. There should be nothing. You should vote on Election Day unless you have a clear reason because of uh, you're out of the state, you're disabled. I mean, clearly disabled, you can't get to the polls. Whatever the case may be, you should have to go vote in person on Election Day. If nothing else, we should do that. It's funny that, of course, the Democrats are looking at this recall effort in California and they're combing through to make sure all the signatures are valid. Yet, for a presidential election, for members of the House and Senate, they don't care about that there. That's that's voter suppression. You can't do that. You can't check rolls at that point. But when when one of our guys is going to get recalled, we're going to make sure that everyone signs us. These are all proper names. These are all proper citizens. These are all the things we got to do. There's a bunch of hypocrisy here. So I think that, you know, Barrett and Kavanaugh and Roberts in particular. uh, I mean, look, these guys, these three men and women, these men and women are trying to kind of work around the the issue here. And who knows? I mean, Thomas gave it to him. I, I will give Clarence Thomas credit for this. He gave it to him. He said, look, you guys are just ridiculous. For not hearing this case? That's a bad move. Because when else will we hear it? At least give it a hearing. But what, of course, Barrett and Kavanaugh and Roberts would say, if we do that, well, then certainly we've legitimized the Republicans contesting the election. Again, the Supreme Court is becoming overtly political. It was never designed to be that way. It was never designed to be this political body that is so determined by who's sitting on the bench. And I would say it's not Republican and Democrat. It's Nationalist and Federalist. Now, Barrett, as an originalist, should know better in this case. She should know better. So I could see both sides of this issue. Your original is saying, well, I mean, it, it's it's a little bit of a gray area here because the discussion was generally about a federal negative. And so if that's what we're going to be talking about, let's not have a federal negative over state law. On the other hand, I think you can see that what Thomas is saying that, well, I mean, you've got this situation where you've got voter fraud. It's been, it's been the case. Anytime you've had mail-in battling, not saying that there was any voter fraud, but we should look at this to ensure that this kind of stuff does not happen again, not just in Pennsylvania, but anywhere else in the United States. Again, I bring up the question, do you want this organization, the Supreme Court, do you want the Congress of the United States getting involved in your state and saying what's good and bad in your voting process? It's a question we have to ask, because doing so... Nationalizes the election. This is what I pointed out in, in uh, episode three eight seven. Doing so nationalizes the elections and creates a situation where you know you've got uh, people from New York interested in people from Pennsylvania interested in people from North Carolina, and you're going to start looking at Texas suing Pennsylvania. I mean, this stuff would just start happening. Nationalism really is the problem right here, not something else. So that's my position on all this. I think Thomas's descent is funny. It's great. I mean, he gives it to the left. He gives it even to his own people, supposedly his own people, Roberts, Kavanaugh, and Barrett. He gives it to him. And he does so in a way that's I mean, he smashes them to little bits, and it's it really should be humiliating. It won't be, because they'll just brush it off. I think you can make a case that if you look at Article 1, Section 4, the, the lawsuit, if it was done to ensure that this election in the, uh, in the House of Representatives for Pennsylvania is conducted the right way, you can make a case for it. But not for Donald Trump. The Republicans should be looking at that case and saying, now, here it is. You have created, look, this is an issue. That case should be the one. The one with 93 votes separating these people. That should be the one. Whether they can prove anything or not is a whole other story. But that case, not the 2020 election with Donald Trump, should be the one that conservatives should be focusing on. This is, again, is think locally, act locally. Focus on these local elections. Stop worrying about so much with the president. We know the president does all kinds of messed up things. doesn't matter what party you're in. Stop worrying about the president and start worrying about your local representatives, your local government, your uh, member of the House of Representatives, your state senator, your U.S. senator. Start worrying about these people and stop worrying about the president of the United States. That's going to take some serious discipline. And certainly start worrying about your state legislature, your county council, these kind of things. It takes discipline and it takes changing your entire frame of mind. But that's the important part. Okay. So, Again, a quick, you know, 25 minutes, quick video here on this Supreme Court decision. I wanted to get it in there. Got a lot of nuances here, I think, to get through. Um, I think Thomas is right for calling out these other people. But on the other hand, uh, I think that when you look at the issue, if they actually had to sit down and figure this out, I don't know if originalism... Would side with the Republican Party here because of due process being followed in the state court. Now, if you could prove that the state uh, state constitution was violated by this, and that you know this was a real problem for the state of Pennsylvania, uh, then I think you you have a case. But um, so far, I think even Thomas was hinting at this. It's it's going to be a little hard to rule in favor of the Republican Party here. But I digress. Okay, that's it. That's the art that's the the podcast on Clarence Thomas. I'll see you next time for the next episode. see you then.